You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. Welcome back, everyone, for another month or another session or another episode of episode Comic Book two. of the Month Week or Month Episode. What is it called? You had Month Week, like yeah. Month Week Year. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, like, uh, is this your monthly comic book m- book club? Yeah, there you go. Comic Book, book Club. Comic Book, book of the Month of the Club. club. <laughs> <laughs> Coming at you live. Daily. But, uh, yeah, all those things, we're all here. We're And this week, uh, we're talking about Road to Perdition from Paradise, Pro- Par- Paradise, Paradise. Press. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go ahead and go around the room and introduce everybody. I'll start it up. Hi, uh, my name's Ian. I've been here a couple times, um, and I like to party. I don't know what else to say about myself. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> hey, everybody, and this is Rafa with this new machine. I am here that's to us. talk about things, and hopefully, you'll enjoy it. Good afternoon. It's Chris. How are you guys doing? Uh, I'm Stephen. I am part. Member two of this new machine uh, with Rafi. That's us. <laughs> uh, and I'm here to talk about The Road to Perdition. And uh, I am Mitch uh, with you from Geek Elite Radio. So Geek Elite Radio and this new machine together making Back another episode. Again with the whites. <laughs> Back at it again with the comic book reviews. Form of comic book. <laughs> so oh, this yeah, one, actually, I think, yeah, like... Form Nerdron. Form Nerdron. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, we're right. going to make this one legit. There are five of us. <laughs> true. So all of you listening right now, you best take advice to know that we are amazing and you are about to learn something new. There you go. Yeah. If there's trouble in the universe, we do not form a robot. <laughs> no, we just really want to. Call <laughs> yeah. Metaphorically. Yeah, there you go. In our hearts. In, in our hearts. <laughs> Rafa is the head. Uh, uh, so we came across we, we this uh, particular comic book was picked, uh, I believe, by Chris. Yes, yes. Um, so this one, uh, you mentioned it was Paradox Press, which secretly is actually DC Comics. Ooh, uh, still snuck one in, but up. You're like, finally, we're doing independence. Yeah, no, but up. No, but this one came out back in '98. Um, DC Comics obviously had a lot of luck with their Vertigo line, and you know, just amazing stuff, great creativity. Unbound, it was fantastic. Um, and again, this all stems from Image Comics happening too. You know, it's like mm-hmm. let's go out there and do our own thing. And so I remember when this book first came out. It was uh, released back in '98, and the cover threw me off. Um, we'll probably post the cover, I'm sure. And it has you know this guy in a suit, couple to- well, Tommy gun, and he's holding the kid. And so in my mind, I pictured it like, oh, this is just some gangster, probably like bullying kids or whatever. I I, I passed on it. Then I think it was 2002. They started talks about the movie, and of course they had Tom Hanks. And I'm like, Tom Hanks, how can you not like Tom Hanks? This is going to be great. This is before so, uh, the Polar Express. Uh, yes, <laughs> very true. Well, yeah, like I think he was fresh <laughs> off his uh, Castaway, so even more exciting. Yeah, this is you know? way hotter. Even. I took my Wilson to go watch this movie. <laughs> Excuse me, he Eddie Murphy that movie. <laughs> yeah, but if you if you say someone Eddie Murphy at something, it's not a good thing anymore because people make terrible, terrible mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, after Eddie Murphy and I read uh, Road to Perdition, I, but uh, no, but I remember uh, when the movie was coming out, I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot because uh, you know, very much so back then, Tom Hanks was bankable. It's a safe bet, mm. and I'll be honest with you, I can't remember if I saw the movie first or if I read the comic first. 
But I was happy either way. And this one was really cool because it got me to start looking at Paradox Press even more. Uh, before we started recording, I think it was Rafa mentioned A History of Violence. And same thing. They said they were making the movie, so I went and got myself a copy of History of Violence. Love that one. So if you were a fan of this, or if you're going to read along after we talk about this, or if this is a good time to pause for spoilers and then come back and... Mm-hmm however many amount of time. But if you find yourself liking this book, or if, if, if you're not sure about it, <laughs> give uh, A History of Violence a chance, because that one was fantastic. Actually, like, that actually brings up a good point. Um, do you guys want to give opinions first, and then after that, go into the spoiler stuff? I want everybody to like me, so as long as we can push that away. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the book? You I really last. liked it. <laughs> No, let's let's yeah, let's give our opinions first, and then we'll we'll Out go into the five stars. Stuff what would you about rate? that? <laughs> we can also talk about the the creators of the story okay. uh, before we get into, or we could say that's at the end. Which no, I'm, I'm okay with putting that front. I think yeah. um, that's actually one of the most pertinent things to talk about for this mm-hmm. one. Um, the guy who wrote this is a person who wrote for Dick Tracy books and everything yes. like that. It's one of the other most notable things about his career, and I think that shines through powerfully in this you know um i think like the whole thing it's not necessarily like a hard-boiled dude with a gun or anything but it's a hard-boiled dude with a gun you know (laughs) and it's max allen collins yeah is the writer yeah um i forget the name of the artist um richard Richard pierce rayner okay um but yeah no um I, i i like both of the things that these people do doesn't mean that i i am a fan of it entirely or anything but i like the how like i like their skill at their craft so, yeah. So it says uh, in the Wikipedia page. So Max Allen Collins from Marvel Comics wrote Captain America: Red, White, and Blue mm-hmm. hardcover, which uh, makes sense. Has anybody read that? Writing? No, I haven't read that. Like I, I know like um, a, a few of, like the bullet points from this kind of thing, and that makes sense to me. <clears throat> Again, like dude, dude with a motive doing a thing. Yeah. No, he's <laughs> he's very much a you know they're doing the remake of the movie with Bruce Willis. Um, oh man, Charles. Uh, Oh, Death Wish? Death Wish. You know, like, that's that's his gear house. Mm. I like that. It's like, here's a guy who is just doing life. Somebody does him wrong. I will finish this. Yeah. I, I love that tale. Like, that's that's a tale that will, or a trope that will always last. And Max does it fantastic. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's a story that's as old as time, right? I mean, for me growing up, Catholic, right? Which kind of has it's, it's in there book. real hard. Is you know you you grow up to be afraid of the boogeyman, or in our culture, the el cucuy, right? <laughs> and so you know what happens when yeah you wrong a man, but this man is the embodiment of the devil you, for the most. You part, wronged yeah. el cucuy. Yeah, you and then so now it's like oh you might as well just die. He's gonna get you. Do yourself a favor, stop running. <laughs> yeah. So I like that aspect to it. I think that made it a really worthwhile read because I mean we can argue. I mean for me this is the first time that I've read it. Right. So mm-hmm. reading it and I feel like maybe I've read similar stories maybe I've read stories that might have been a little bit better or told a little bit better but at the same time to me I look at this and for what it is I think it really bleeds into the idea of family outside of circumstances which are sometimes beyond your control mm-hmm. and I think that is an, always a fun read and uh, for DC Comics I think the last thing he wrote was Batman Child of Dreams 2003 is anybody okay. familiar <laughs> with that Ooh, I didn't think he did something. Like if that's that, if that's if, the one I'm thinking, yeah, I'm in the same boat. If it's the one I'm thinking, yeah, because wasn't that the one that it did the art? Like it looked like Michael Keaton Batman, right? Yes, it's like the artist is um, Kira. No, I. But yeah, that was a beautiful looking book. The artist is Kira Knightley. <laughs> I knew she was. Up There's to nothing something. she can't do. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
No, I, I don't know if you guys have anything else to say about the creators or anything. Um, I'm just going to throw it out there. It kind of bleeds into my opinion of the, the book overall. I loved, um, I loved the writing. Mm-hmm. I cannot stand the art. Now, do you think it's because, like, there, there, there's a, a distinct separation between this time period in comics and what we have in comics now. That's my bad. <laughs> and what we have in comics now. Uh, and I think that's color. I like black and white things. And, it's, and I don't. I, I, like, I think that they, they have their time and their place. And I think that you have to be of a specific um, artistic mind yeah. when you create something that's black and white. One of my problems with this one was that I don't think that the, the art was consistent. That's, that's, that's my big beef. Um, yeah. I don't miss the color. Um, there's plenty of things that you can convey tons of great emotion it, in black and white. That, that, that's, that's, that's what I was saying, is that I, I don't think that the artist is not skilled or anything like that, or oh, that no. the comic loses anything by being black and white. It's that it's... Um, the, the, or it's not that it doesn't lose something by being black and white. It's that I think that the art doesn't service it being black and white. I think if it was colored, you could tell characters apart a little bit more. Yes. Mm. Because there are times where if, if you were to just pick up this book and flip between like the beginning to the end, see like, you know, I just want to see what happened here. I don't think that you can tell necessarily that this dude here in the beginning is the same person as this person. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll put this out there now. <laughs> I, I have absolutely no drawing artistic ability at all. <laughs> I screw up stick figures. But without, to me, without the color, you lose certain identifications, mm-hmm. uh, certain details so that you can tell characters apart or, or backgrounds and foregrounds, for, at least for me. Um, I, and I understand, you know, you can do shading and stuff like that. But then there is the inconsistency with the way that the characters are drawn. Yeah. Our main character of uh, Mike Sul- Michael Sullivan and to me, it just might be my movie brain, but it changes from looking from uh, George Clooney to James Dean to... And I can't figure out the name of the other actor that it's... Like, even in the drawing of the cover of the book, the Angel of Death that's in the comic book, uh, it's a certain actor, and I can't remember his name, but he Tom looks Hanks. like... Tom Hanks. It's not Tom Hanks. <laughs> but it looks like that a lot. It's Frank Sinatra. <laughs> uh, no, 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 not that book. But there's okay. another. There's another book. The, the book that the the that the Mike Sullivan Jr. No, inside is 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 looking at. Uh, no, it's not that one either. But it's okay. We'll, we, I'll I'll find it later. Uh, when we were talking about, we were talking about on the drive. Even Rafa, like Rafa and I, cause we haven't talked about this um, at all since reading the thing. And um, one of the things we were talking about was that there were times where I I feel. That he was definitely looking at a like a, an actor's face for these yes. things. George Clooney was a prominent one. Mm-hmm. You said Pierce Brosnan at one point, which That's I agree yeah, with. I can, I can definitely see Pierce Brosnan in that. Yeah, which would make sense. Also, yeah, like Pierce. I mean, the dude, the dude's got to be a fan of Bond. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like overall, I tried. Uh, I'll, I'll come right out and say it. I didn't finish it. I, I can understand specifically because. Every time I'd get into the story, the art would kick me back out, mm. if that makes sense. I, I, and, I understand. And it was one of those things where it's like, I want to know what happens, but stop changing your face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, imagine yeah, how the bad guys spoiler. feel with the, with the shape changer. Yeah. <laughs> El Kakui, man. <laughs> it's true. The ultimate transformative monster was going to get you in the dark. <laughs> and and it, it wasn't a, it's not a... A small graphic novel, either. No, it's it's, it's quite it's like, a bit it's of like, pages. It's like two hundred eighty pages, I believe. I mean, yeah. I, I know people who read actual books and stuff would be like two hundred eighty pages. It's yeah. nothing, but no, two hundred eighty you know, pages of art. 
yeah. that I have to look at. Yeah. You know, pe- people give comics a knock because they're like, oh, all the information is right there for you. No, fuck you. Yeah, like, right? I, I have to decode just as much as you do when someone's gilding the lily over here talking about like the button on someone's shirt. I have to look at that button and figure that button out for myself. It's not handed to me in text. Yeah. They don't tell me what's important. I have to figure it out. Yes. Yeah. I have to track like 18 different things to read a comic no, it's book. True. It's, a, it's like, a sophisticated medium. It very is. It, <laughs> it very is. much so is. It is. I mean, like when Hate you it. look at a panel, like especially like like it's an easy one, like a book or like Green Lantern. Color is massive. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you're reading this book and there's this guy in the background wearing an orange shirt and you're just like, well, whatever, because I'm looking at the main character. And then next thing you know, it's like, oh, that was the bad guy. And he was in the book the whole time. Orange and you're guy. right. It's not, it's not laid out for you to be like, this is an important thing because yeah. they purposely wrote the text. No, that was the, in the script. So then the artist interpreted it. And it's massive, you know, and that, that's one of those things. Well, I guess like, I, so having read it and being the guy who recommended it, I loved it. I, I, um, because like I said, like it came out around that time. It was more the draw of Tom Hanks. So I started looking at more of the information. And, you know, with Mac writing it, I was like, okay, that's awesome. Like he, he did some amazing mm. Batman's 80 stuff. Um, I, I, I'll have to look, but I mean, if the guy hasn't written Punisher, he needs to write Punisher. But, is he still Punisher. around? I think so. I okay, think so. I was going to say because, like, yeah. I don't, like I, 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 <laughs> as soon as you say, it's <laughs> like, it's like, you need to come back. No, um, yeah, he needs to. No, like, as, as as soon as you say a person did anything having to do with Dick Tracy, I'm like, oh, they died 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, he clearly yeah, did it. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> according to this, he's 69, lives in Iowa, and he's still around. So, how we, young we, was he when he wrote these? Then? 12. <laughs> yeah, this like, only came out in '93. 98, yeah. 98. I, still, I still was yeah. figuring like again the person wrote on Dick Tracy so yeah, I'm like, oh, like he, yeah. he wrote this so like he wrote this tail end of his career you know yeah. like, but the the directed, he was writing Dick Tracy at 12 yeah, yeah. <laughs> right seriously yeah um, but no he, he he's always had that he's got a good revenge motive he's I mean, that's that's his that's his bread and butter mm-hmm. and but I remember reading this and again you know the draws for me were massive because like you said making that Catholic connection that was big you know being Irish Catholic on top of that and then also the hardship you know well <laughs> but well the, the biggest one though was like coming from somebody like my family's been that way like mm. there's no one it's just my dad and i so like we're very loyal so it's like you know like if i'm your family friend i look at your family as my family yeah and so like i totally was just into that like i get it i, I understand that fierce loyalty and then i've also been there where it's like you'll have this father figure and he's gonna have the true son and at the end of the day, no matter how good you are, no matter what, you are not the son. So like in this one, Looney, uh, I think it was, uh, I can't remember his first name. John, no, I think it was John Looney was the father. So I think it was Connor, I forget. Connor Looney. Yeah, Connor. Connor's the screw up. He, he, he botched the uh, thing. And, yeah. But of course the father has to protect his son. Mm-hmm. And you know the way Michael's family is done, it's just brutal. And I think what's kind of neat, because I was the same way, like, when I first got into comics, it was all art, you know, because yeah. that's the, you know, that's how my brain processed it. It's what I see. And then, like, luckily, this is around the era, you know, like Kingdom Come had come out. So here's amazing like art. Yeah. Here's amazing story. And I'm like, this is the pinnacle. And I was a real big snob in that regard. Like, I'd open a comic. I'm like, this art sucks. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I mean, I'm you know, done. yeah. And you do. <laughs> we well, do it here. You know, yeah. I try you know? so yeah. hard. No, and no. Dude, like, I'm not knocking it. I understand. Yeah. I've, I've, I've ditched a comic or a TV show or something for way less. Oh, yeah. Just like, I don't fucking like that dude's no. hair. Because like, it's, it's, it's time and money, and you don't get those things back. Yeah. Yes. You know, so I understand. This is a big investment. But to me, like, it just it flowed so nicely. But again, like I said, it enthralled me. It hit me on personal touches and all that stuff. So I went after it. Um, 
and it, and it helps because like I mean, if you ever decide to revisit the world, uh, they made a, a, a three part sequel um, on the road to perdition, and the one that does it for me to show everybody, um, he did one with Jose Garcia, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, and that artist, he's like. He's when you think of like seventies and eighties superheroes for DC Comics, uh, that very. was his house art. He like he's got clean lines. They still use him in the industry. So like when they were drawing a lot of the uh, Batman v Superman and Wonder Woman like promotionals, that's his artwork. So he's just phenomenal. So like those like as the sequels went on, it was great because you know you you have different artists. Yeah, women. but the black and white choice was great because I like that because obviously like. Growing up, I'm sure you guys might have that feeling too. Like when you watch something in black and white, it takes you back in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Twilight, Twilight, Twilight Zone is firmly mired in its yeah. time because of the production. Exactly, yeah. and I thought that was so cool. And so with this, you know, obviously being in the 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 the, the, the 30s, I thought that was even better that it was in black and white. Yeah. So I just I got into, it. but I do understand you, like because there's some pages where the artist is very much like these are going to be heavy lines, and then there's a part where there's like tons of little dots, and you're like. All right, that's that's weird imagery. Okay, See, but I, I liked the change in textures. I, oh, that yeah. was that was one of the things that I liked. Like I I really liked that. Like different scenes had different feel to them. Like if something was a little more intense or a little more, like um like just a little more passionate, it would be a little more scratchy, which I'm fine with. Like I right. I enjoy this. I think that sells this. Um, it was just like consistency of shape. Yeah. You know? Well, and like, you're right. Like the face, I get you guys. Yeah. Like there's some points where where Mike has a very pointed nose, a very yeah. rounded nose, and you're kind of, you know. But luckily, I think the words were strong enough that it still pulled me back. I was like, okay. But I mean, I, like if I had to rate it, I'd give it a four out of five. And even then, I'm still going heavy towards a five out of five. Yeah. Um, it's a hard read, but it's very worthwhile because to me, again, it, and, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's um, it's a great father son story. You know, like I remember one of the. The funniest, trying to sell this book to somebody else, um, <clears throat> a buddy of mine who, who lived on my street, they were a Mormon family, and we were good friends and all that. And I remember when this movie was coming out, and of course, like I was just so excited about the movie. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but who's our current James Bond? Speaking of Bond. Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. Daniel Craig. He's the one who plays Connor Looney mm-hmm. in the movie. Yep. And really? Yeah. 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 Okay. And he did such a great job. I hated him. <laughs> like he'd be in a movie, I was like, I fucking hate that guy. He's the one who killed Tom Hanks' yeah. family. Like I would just hate him. I I, I hated understand. him for the longest time, and it wasn't until like the second Bond he did that I was like, okay, I can like this guy again. Yeah, all right, which, you're, you're my good zone. Out. Which oddly enough, that Bond is directed by Sam Mendes, who directed Road mm-hmm. Perdition. Yep. See, it's all connected. It's Quantum Solace, right? Yes. Yeah. Quantum Solace See, and, and uh, was onto stuff. He, 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 he also directed uh, Skyfall. Yeah. Sam yeah. Mendes. That's why the artist was using James Bond for some of the the, the, the drawings. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's a big fan. You know, it was. Uh, uh, I'd say is that well, one that there's a whole bunch of famous actors in the movie. Not that we're talking oh, about yeah. the movie, but because yeah. uh, Paul Newman plays. Oh, uh, I know how cool yeah. is that, Boss no, Looney. What a handsome ass dude, right? <laughs> like, damn you, Paul Newman. <laughs> you want to <laughs> eat your salad dressing for him? <laughs> Let me, uh, here's a weird one, and I know, like, going. I love these little comic book facts. So Paul Newman, back in the late '50s, his neighbor was Gil Kane. Wow. So when Gil Kane was drawing Green Lantern, he oh, uh, Hal Jordan, he based it off of Paul Newman. 
That's was crazy. his neighbor. So he was just kind of like, hold on. So, and now I have Green Lantern, you know, Hal Jordan. In fact, it kind of shines through. So Paul Newman was the inspiration for Alan Scott? <laughs> or no, for Hal Jordan. For Hal Jordan. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And like, I had always heard that story. And like, and you can see it. Like, when you go to like the original art, yeah. you're like, oh, wow, wow. But I didn't realize that. I was like, wow, Gil Kane's neighbor was Paul Newman? How awesome is that? And, and Paul Newman, he never awesome. got any royalties. Classic yeah. DC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so uh, mad about Bob Finger. <laughs> so I have to say that I, I felt the opposite about the story. I mean, I did enjoy enjoy it overall, but I felt like it's not a father son story. Wow! Uh, just like the same way that I, I, I hear a lot of people, and I know it's just my opinion, but a lot of people talk about the Logan movie the same way as it, it's a father daughter story. And to me, both these things are are. A guy doing what he wants to do, what he needs, to, what he feels he needs to do, and then the child is tagging along. Yeah, uh, I feel like this. The in this story, the son is kind of a, a second thought. Like he, I understand that he wants to protect his son and he wants to get into um, to his uh, brother in law's farm and stuff like that eventually. But and maybe it's his Catholic uh, background or if it's his soldier background or you know it's just his his sense of uh, this is what I need to do, but. I feel like if it was going to be a true father-son thing, they, they should have spent more time with him teaching him other skills. Because okay. he knows by the end of the story, he's not going to be around. Right. I mean, well, that's, that's fair. I, I see that. And like to me, a big scene in that was the driving one. You know, it's like, you're going to be my getaway man. Like, but see, that's also, that's for him. But when you're, when you're in that lifestyle though, it is, you start at the bottom rung, you know, it's, it's, you're, you're going to be the wheel man and then eventually you're going to learn to shoot. So I felt he gave him those things, but at the same time, I also felt he didn't want to give him those things. Like, it's like, my no. son will be a better man than I ever will yes. be. Yeah. You know, like we never talk about my work at the house. And so that's why like. Because I see what you're saying, but and again, like it, the, the whole time, we got to remember our narrator is the son, right? So yeah. he's going to look at his dad in a different part, you know, like uh, Tex Thompson. You know, it was like, oh, I remember reading the Tex Thompson novels. My dad was Tex Thompson, stuff yeah. like that. So that's why maybe it's it's one of those things where he's not worried so much about what my dad taught me. It was more like what my dad could do and how badass my dad was and all those things. So I mean, th- th- that was an element I picked, and I thought that was well executed. So that's why I felt it was a father-son story in that regard because i mean if we talk about a family member we usually do we talk about like oh you know like the, the story of when he taught me how to fish but it was more the like you should have saw this fish he caught you yeah. know because the, the the learning to fish part's the afterthought it's let me tell you this cool story about you know my uncle uh, max he could do some crazy stuff or whatever i mean i told you a whole bunch of stories on the way out here about my granddad and yeah <laughs> and like from the outside in, it could have been just like, yeah, so there was a time that he was like, we got to go get a bear, and the bear was got. Yeah. But <laughs> that's not how that story goes in my head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was much more yeah. to it. The chrome shotgun. <laughs> the, 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 the chrome shotgun and giving me a shotgun and saying, if it, if it comes, shoot it. Does it work? Well, only if you do it right. Like, that's, <laughs> yep, those that's, are, that's my granddad. That's my yeah. granddad. I, I think that, um, I don't, and like, the, the same as you were saying that like um, this could be your interpretation of this because of your upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this one, uh, like my interpretation of it might go the same way um, because I think it could still be a father-son story because you're not necessarily like a direct product of like the, the best parts of the person that raised you or, or you are from. 
Um, you can still like your parent can still shape you just as much by you being like you seeing what they do and deciding I want to be everything that's not. Yeah. You know, so I think that can still be a father son story in in the fact that like um, it's a father and a son. Like the, these are, these are wholly separate things. His father wants him to do something. His son chose something wholly different that he got from his father, which is his strict adherence to his his spirituality. You know, so I think in that regard, that would still be a father son story for me. Um, I think it's important for me to say that like I'm not 100% like on board with the book. Like the book right. is not for me. I, I read it trying to find something that I enjoyed because I know a person who I appreciate oh. appreciated it so much. You know, so um, I was trying to find something that I want that that I liked from this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know if I would necessarily say it's not a father son story. Um, also, look, but I agree. I agree on Logan though. For <laughs> for both of these, it's like like I I know what's best. You come with me, and the kid's like, no, I really wanted to do this though. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. You know, <clears throat> it's a father and son story. Fair fa- fa- father, father, capital F, son, lowercase s. Yeah, okay. You know, <laughs> for sure. I really like that aspect too. I I do think it's a family story, but more so than anything, it's I think it's a a love letter or a how can I put this. It is a statement of how he idolized his father in such a way. And I think all of it plays together very well. What I liked about this book is when we talk about the art, right? We're talking about some some moments where it's like the, the black is very caked on, right? Very dark. And the face changes as necessary depending on what's happening, right? Wait, did he do that because there's so many different aspects See, from to me- Papa O'Sullivan? <laughs> <laughs> to me, it was more of so it's this 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 kid who's tr- so this this man who is now telling the story of when he was a kid, right? The son, and he is going through and he is remembering the best parts. And as he's narrating the story, he continues talking many times throughout. When something goes down, that he's saying, "I wasn't there or I wasn't in the building," but looking at the way that um, the historians have talked about it, this is what I think happened. Mm-hmm. And then so it throws us into the scene with guns a blazing, things are going on, people are getting killed, right? But ultimately I think that's to showcase the whole thing where he's idolizing his father and in this sense he kind of knows who he is but not necessarily and because of that reason maybe he sees different textures in the face he sees different aspects around him and so this is kind of a story being told on goodwill from this man who experienced this but even though he was there he wasn't really there he wasn't in that moment and I think that adds to an element of when we kind of talk about our family we do it with this sense of like oh my dad's the best because he did this and so I think that's what he's doing because the whole purpose is he's trying to say even though his father did some terrible things his father wasn't a bad man Mm -hmm. and i think that aspect kind of thematically really really shines through because ultimately the whole idea of the book right road to perdition right it's the road to hell and is this boy going to go to hell for his whatever his partaking in this is his father you can argue is going to be going to hell regardless yeah but does that make him a bad person in his son's eyes. And so I think it's really kind of a, a, a glor, glor, glorification of this adventure in this story. Because it is it is a revenge tale. But I think it's, this is what happened to my family, and this is why my dad is so amazing. That's how I interpreted it. Okay. Yeah. No, I think it's a fair one. And I really, I like that you were touching on it, because that, that was a big part of it, too, where it's, you know, like, and especially being raised in the Catholic faith, because there's the idea of purgatory. You know, so it's like that's where the bad people go because they didn't get caught, or that's where the good people go because they have self doubt and self judgment. So that's the gray area, and it's it's rarely spoken of. And I can definitely see in this era, 
you know, perdition and hell are, are massive because, like, even when you think about, like, the one of the, like, another a moment I was thinking about that they share as father and son, when they, the son comes home, or actually, no, he witnesses the murders. And when the dad comes home, he's like, are you okay? Where's your brother? Where's your mother? And they're dead. And he's like, okay, you know, like, take a moment, put it away. We have to go on. Yeah. You know, and that's very much, you know, the, it's not even just the old Catholic way. It's just that's how it was back in that day. You know, like, yeah, you cut really yourself. Was. Wrap it up and get back and finish your job. Yeah. You of, know? of everything that I read, of the parts that I read, <laughs> um, that was probably my favorite part. Yeah. Because it was um, like the, the emotions hit just right, I felt like, or, um, especially with the whole like he tucked him into bed. Yeah. And he was like, all right, yeah. say yeah. good night. That's all we get. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. whoa, well, all right. <laughs> I honestly thought he was going to burn the house down. Like I thought it, he was like, you put, could, yeah, I, could I thought see he was putting him in bed to just like name, burn yeah. the house down, like, and we're done, moving on. Yeah, I can I can see that one. I don't think that the like um, the writer would go for a cleansing fire kind of idea, <laughs> but I 100 percent agree. Like that, that's that's yeah. where I thought the scene was yeah. going. Yeah. Where he's no, no, like, I agree with it. <laughs> like I like especially after that specific situation because it's like like every, everything from then has to be gone except for the fact that that dude's gonna die. You know, yeah. Like everything else is now. <laughs> yeah, this is not memories. our home. Like when he says it, like this is not our home. You can grab a couple things, but this is not our home anymore. You know, and even like too to the point where like they lose their church. He's like, well, can't we just go to the church for sanctuary? And he's like, you know, who do you think sent the father to Rome? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> oh, you know. And it's like, yeah, we're going to the Protestant church. Yeah, but we're not Protestant. But I don't even like because that because the money's not over there. And I just I thought that was cool that it was like this is this complete shutdown and we go there. But even then, it's like. It, it, and again, too, like there's there's also a story of redemption, and I love those. I love stories of redemption because yes, Michael Sullivan, he's a, he's just you know whether he's a victim or a product of his situations, but it's amazing because it's like okay, he you know back then college really was not an option for people. I think he served World War One. Yeah, he yeah. would have. Yeah. So he served World War One. He was a good shooter. He obviously survived, and you know. PTSD, and even when this book was written, PTSD was not a catchphrase. It was not yeah. out there. So you know, maybe even Max, like it'd be interesting to see, like, did he have a service career? What's in? What are his inner demons? What's bottled to him? So Mike is carrying a cross, literally, and he has no real trade. He has not much to offer except being a soldier. Yeah, hooks up with the Looney family, is taken care of. His wife and children will live the life of luxury. His children will probably go on to college. They'll be able to, you know, like, secretly he's like, I want you out of here. Like, I'll do my time in hell. I'll pay my penance because my children will have a better life. And I thought that was really like, okay, this is cool stuff. And then it obviously the dream shatters, but Mike still does that. It's like, okay, well, I have to do this because, and it's always been that way. I mean, this is like Shakespeare, you know, it's like you have to kill your enemy's bloodline. It's not just kill one or two. You have to take out the bloodline because, you know, like I'm the third cousin. I remember what you did. Like, what the hell? You know, like I'm the neighbor. Like, oh my God, how many people do I have to kill to get this curse off me? It would have been such a different movie. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my great, great, great grand uncle. Yeah. Prepare to die. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my best friend's cousin. Brother, sister's (laughs) uncle. On the road to Princess Bride. (laughs) I'll read it. <laughs> but, just uh, change the art. Yeah, just we'll, dark get, we'll get some color and some art on that. But but I just I thought that was neat because it, this is a journey about your soul, you know. And it's like because I, I like how you said that a moment ago, Rafa. Where it's like it's probably quite like it's it's there's no doubt Mike's going to hell. Maybe maybe not though. That's where I would. Well, throw he, I mean, he did, he did get his final his last right. Well, yeah, he got his last right. Yeah. But, but regardless, like even as a Catholic, I know that kind of like a lot of people look at 
that and they're like well that's hokey you know it's like yeah. Hitler at the last second <laughs> well, uh, I, I did, uh, if you could talk to me please you know, sir yeah, you you know. it's okay everything is fine here yeah, you I'm know. sorry double dutch applesauce it's okay take backsies you know and, yeah, it was a joke you know, yeah. and, and I see that but I mean but the thing is it's like ultimately he, he did everything to save his son and it's like that's who the genuine man is and I thought that was cool I just thought that was amazing and that's why like he's he is a good man, you know, what he did for his works and his livelihood, but the fact that he, he took care of his son. And I don't know, to me, that was like, that was the great redemption tell, you know? So those were some big elements I enjoyed. Yeah. S- sorry. No, no. Okay. So uh, is it, now that we're talking about story, and I understand that it's the catalyst for the story, it's basically the, the whole thing, the, what the whole story is based off of. But I think that's one of the reasons, one of the reasons I had a hard time getting into it is because of, the reasoning that the Looney Fanny family turns on the O'Sullivans um, with the fact that Mike Jr. sees his father and young Connor Looney kill someone. Little Looney. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> Little Wayne. <laughs> he, you know, just for that fact, the older Looney, the boss Looney is going to have his best killer, best shooter killed, you know, out, you know, in a betrayal kind of way. And yeah, you know, it's it's like not only is he just their best hitman, their best bagman, what do you want to call it? He's also managed to evade death in every way. Yeah. I, the, the the thing that I think for that one, because um, I'm with you, um, revenge stories don't don't work for me, um, especially in something like this where the person's been doing their own bad things for so long. You mm-hmm. know, um, I don't know if because he's already had such a long history with them and everything. He's not part of their family. He, he might have been ending his usefulness anyway because he accrued, accrued so much knowledge of their maneuverings, you know? So, I mean, they might have been close to that anyway, and that was just a thing that wasn't popped in there, which would be unfortunate. But I could 100% see that being something to that. Well, but the twist I like on that, because, again, going back to it, this is a tale of fathers and sons. What the twist? Yeah, here come, yeah, hopefully. But John Looney has to protect his son as well because Connor, it's not like... Oh, you know, Mike's son saw me kill someone, and then he goes to you know his father, Mister Connor, and he's like, "Hey, you know, we went out and did a mission. Mike's boy saw it. Okay, well, pull Mike's boy in. Let's talk to him." And that a whole bunch could have happened there, but Connor is—it sucks. Like I, I can imagine, it's got to be painful to be like the child of an amazing person. You know, because, like, how can you rise up to, like, your father's level? You know, like, oh, my dad was the guy who won six Olympic gold medals, delivered 12 babies, and saved a bus full of nuns. At I'm the a same photographer. Time, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I, I'm really good with yo-yos. You know, like, it's, <laughs> it, it's something in that regard. And so, like, Connor has that chip on the shoulder. And I think they, I, I remember, I think there might have been something, and I'm, hopefully I'm not drawing this more from the movie, the movie side, but there was a couple points where, like, people would peck at, at, at um, Connor. You know, like, oh, you know, you're here because of your dad, yeah. you know? And so this is that moment where it's like, because again, like, uh, Connor and John are almost brothers in that sense, because they're of the same age. They've both been taken in by the father, and the father holds them in high regard. And it's like, you know, okay, today there's the really cool mission that's going to involve guns and explosions. Mike, you're suited up for this one. And then there's this other mission where somebody's got to go get donuts for everybody. Connor, that's you. And it's like, motherfucker, you know, like, (laughs) like, why can't I do the cool stuff? I have the last name. This is my empire. So he takes it upon himself to be like, no, this is a great way to get Mike out of my way. 
and he's just a sinister guy. So it's like the thought of killing a kid is like, all right, this is kind of cool. So he goes and does this without the permissions. And but, that's, he, but all he does is kill the, the wife and the, and the son without the permission. The, the, the Mike was, being, was ordered to be killed by yeah. John. But, but the, you know, he has head. to at that point. He has to because Mike's not going to like, you can't just pull Mike in now and be like, hey, I'm sorry, my son killed your wife and your other son. Yeah, but he did that well, before. You know? yeah, those were, those, were those, those things happened at the same time. Well, no, they did happen. No, no. Oh, you're right. That's right. Yeah. Because he went to the whorehouse. And he had it set up and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, but I Coco's. Yeah. But I mean, but the thing is, I don't know. I guess I see that it's one of those things where it's, it's still like when I when I watch it, and maybe it's because of the magic of Paul Newman. But when I look at John Looney, (laughs) I don't see him as a total bad guy. In the book, yeah, he is. He's he's a little bit darker. But in the movie, you know, I still had I still had hope for him. I still hope things would work out. But the thing is, I don't know. I guess it's one of those things where it's. Ultimately, like if if you don't have that family name, you're always no matter how good you are to them, you're always expendable, and that's that's what I took with Mike Sullivan and all that. So I guess it, it, the, the father and son side is still like the loonies have to protect themselves, and Mike is the angel of death, and so it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, with, with the boy knowing, and I, and I guess maybe this is tough now because I, I I mix that timing up in my head, but it's ultimately like maybe they all knew like John or not sorry they all knew with Mike it's like my family will never be a part of this like I work for you and I'll, I'll take my riches and share them with my children but they'll never have a part of this and so and that, that could be a thing that, that could very well be it but it's never portrayed in the story yeah so, exactly and that's yeah, what's tough I, now. I think there's a few leaps that have not, might have been taken as fact for like this like right. genre right you know? yeah and so I mean I think that might have been part of like the problem with immersion for me yeah no, it, and I could see that now because, because honestly uh, I mean if we think about that that type of world the organized crime world more than likely, Mike's son is going to also get into the business yeah. at some point. Oh, for sure. Also, yeah. his last name is O'Sullivan. Yeah, right. Dude's going to end up with a gang at some point. <laughs> I was going to say, with, with that name, um, you're going to end up just running some sort of street gang you're, somewhere. You're going to have Celtic cross tattooed on your back, <laughs> and you're going to fight some dudes. Luckily, when my family came to America, we dropped the O in the mitt because we're like, no, we're going we're gonna to be blue collar. <laughs> un- Thanks, great grandpa. Now I'm not rich. <laughs> and unfortunately, when he starts up a street gang, it's not going to be anything called anything cool. It's going to be like the O'Sullivan boys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, that, but that's, that's a good, that's a different Hardy Boys. That's good, though. <laughs> it's just like, we don't solve crimes, we make them. So, <laughs> so to me, I, like I feel that. like John or John uh, Looney would, wouldn't perceive it as a problem until it was a problem. Mm, yeah, and right. especially since anything that young Mike Jr. would say would only incriminate his own father as well. Yeah. So it's just to me it was it was hard for me to get an immersion into the story. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I was going with that. Especially when the guy had a uh, I'm going to assume like when when. Looney Senior had a uh, a savvy lawyer, right? That that he's left to do the meeting and everything. Yeah. Right. Why couldn't he have just met with the lawyer and been like, okay, so they got no dirt on you. Yeah. The kid's not going to put his own dad in jail. We're fine here. Pack up, move along. That's that's where I thought that that should have gone. Yeah. Right. And, and, and we have, I have to go back to it's because this is where the story is. This is the story, and I just felt like there could have been a better way of getting into it. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. <clears throat> and I think sometimes what kind of from what you're saying is you have to be in order to immerse yourself you have to kind of find your own answer Mm -hmm. to me the way i looked at it sometimes it's just the meaninglessness of it all like yeah they could have the smarter decision would have been yeah he's not going to talk 
There's going to be no problem. Yeah. But in order to move the forward, the, to move the story forward, and as well as to kind of see what happens, the way I look at it is, at one point, doesn't matter why it happened, it happened, and so now all these people have to die. But also, I like to think of it as maybe John Looney was just—I mean, I'm not saying he's stupid, but he, he did something dumb, and sometimes maybe it's like, oh, just get rid of him. Why take that chance? Yeah. No, I completely get it. Like, why would you go up against the angel of death? It reminds me of uh, the, the movie that came out, right? John Wick. Right. Similar. Yeah. That yeah. I, th- I thought about that. I, I thought deeply. about that a lot. Yeah. Well, which which I mean, is what that's supposed to be. I wanted to bring it's that up. I mean, we obviously it's not John Wick isn't the first hard-boiled revenge story, yeah, right. Right? and Far it's not going to be the last. It's going to uh, be the best. It's, it's, <laughs> Road to Perdition isn't the first story to tell that, or first one to tell that story either, but we, as of late, have been getting that story a lot more. I mean, oh, yeah. Taken... John Wick, Atomic Blonde, those, these are all very much the same genre of story. And uh, John Wick, in that, in that movie, at least the kid who, who does the transgression doesn't know that he's going up against Elka, or what did he call it? Elkakui? No, it's not Elkakui, <laughs> but it's... Uh, well, the boogeyman, like the boogeyman, how you say in Russian. Yeah, yeah, however they say it in the movie, I forget at the moment. This is where we'll redub the podcast, and every time we say... <laughs> The boogeyman, it'll come out in straight Russian. I'm like, our listeners will be like, damn, those guys are good. So, <laughs> they learned really quick. That one, the revenge story, at least makes a little bit more sense to me. This one, they named him, like their own gang named him the Archangel of Death. Like, or the, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's just, it, to me, it was harder for me to believe. But. Well, two things, and, and just throwing some like background of the book. So this is a love letter to Lone Wolf and Cub, right? The Japanese which, manga, yeah, which is totally like again, you know, I can see this. a father taking care of his son after his family was wronged while he's yeah. on the path for revenge. Well, that's where the quote at the at the beginning of the book comes from. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the writer. Quote? I thought uh, that, the, I thought that was more coincidental. No, the yeah. the quote at the beginning of the book. Let me grab it here real quick. It's like scrawled like diagonally. Yeah. So you must choose a road for yourself. That's um, from Young Wolf and Cup. Yeah, Lone, Lone, Lone Wolf, Wolf and Cup. Yeah. Young Wolf, whatever. <laughs> Is Young, right. Lo- Young Wolf sounds like a, a super dope shonen manga comic, though. That'll be <laughs> so. that's the spinoff. Now you got the set, the, the spinoff Dupes. for this. <laughs> uh, we know who you're not picking as artist, though. No? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not Steven. Not <laughs> I, have, well, I have no consistency either. That's why I spotted another artist, <laughs> and I love him for it. <laughs> Don't say that. Your drawings are fierce. <laughs> the fresh today. But uh, but the one other thing though that was kind of cool about Max Allen Collins, the writer, he's a big history buff. So a lot of the stuff that is happening in this book yeah. actually did happen, which which you explains know? all of like the the crossovers bringing in Al Capone and all these other people. Yep, Elliot Ness yeah. in there, yeah. And so he he took this, and I mean, and so there's there's two things that maybe to help with the immersion. You know, is is the fact that you know this is the son talking about and kind of piggybacking what Rafa said, where it's like. The kid wasn't in the in the room when some of that things happened. So of course, you know, my dad's really badass. So <laughs> he killed all those men with one bullet. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, my dad's such a <laughs> badass. He killed eleven men yeah. with a glare. Bad guys yeah, you know, like, <laughs> so so that, that that is part of it. Um, you know, and the memory does play funny tricks on the mind. You know, but it, it's one of those things. Yeah, where Max is shoehorning. You know, the, the, because there really is an angel of death. You know, he was a he was a gunman. Nobody knew who he was, and so it's like, well, what if it? What if the motivation was they killed his family? You know, and so yeah, I can see where 
Because in my mind, I had the answer. Now you took it away, guys. Because <laughs> that timing, I thought it was totally like, okay, this happened and then that happened. Yeah. But it's, they were happening at the same time. But, I mean, I guess it's just having, having had my own experiences. And even, you know, this is way later in my life after reading the book. Like, I've been there where it's like you're in a family and it's like, well, you're always the outsider. Um, this is the true son and that goes through. But for Max, it was just taking these events that happened with this real angel of death um, and creating Mike Sullivan and shoehorning it in. So it's, I, I can see that that, that that takes some of the immersion out, but hopefully with the actual history, maybe that provides some cohesion to get it back in. And then, too, with tying it into, like, because this is, like, Max loved Lone Wolf and Cub. Like, he, mm-hmm. that was just one of his favorite stories. So it's like, I want to I want to pay an homage to it. I want to give something back to that. So I don't know, hopefully that helps. <laughs> so okay, speaking sure. of the historical references in the, in the story, does anybody know other than Al Capone if any of these characters really existed? Like Mr. Nitty and... Well, I know um, Ness, Ali, yeah, Ali and Ness did, but the, did the, the loonies the Archangel, exist? Yes, I, the loonies, not that I know of. I think, actually, I think... Because um, in the movie, they changed them. They were the Roonies yeah, in the movie. the Roonies, okay. So I think they may have been the well, loonies. loonies just and, sounds, well, it does sound it weird. It, it, it sounds on the nose. <laughs> it says here that uh, Capone, Nitty, Ness, they're all historical figures. Bill Gable also existed. Okay. Okay. And the betrayal lieutenant of John Looney. And then when the badass riverboat uh, Quinlan burns down. Mm. That was one of my favorite parts of the book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Cleansing so by fire. That, but that seemed out of place. It did. It did. And I, I completely agree with that. But that's why I liked it. It was like, it's building onto this idea of like, oh, okay, he's going in and now he's robbing banks. He's moving around with his son. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, I can't get to the banks anymore because, you know, there's guards now. So I'm going to burn down this I'm gonna okay yeah it, it turned very James Bond really quick in that moment <laughs> it turned very Mission Impossible exactly because in that moment what he's wearing a different face right yeah. yeah yeah so then he pulls it off it's like and that's the that's the part where I thought okay that's Pierce Brosnan yeah. <laughs> just like, like, the golden gun if we had color way. and then it's like okay so he burns things down he steals the money he does it very easily and he escapes well I mean it, it makes sense now that you say that that was a real historical event that he, he wanted to include that in there somehow and it, yeah. it makes sense to put him in there but yes the whole di- super disguise I'm a chameleon I put on another person's face kind of thing and she's like I don't think you're that fat and then all of a sudden he's like well screw you and he takes the mask off and he throws her overboard he throws her overboard to save her of all people for whatever reason mm-hmm. uh, but everybody else dies she was close yeah, I mean she got him, she got him on the boat I guess and I think that adds also to the the whole idea of again the son retelling the story I'm like and then he bur- this burned down so I wonder how he did it and so again, yeah. he might be building his own yeah. story. Really, and I mean, if he's who's the person that he looks up to, or like that famous old Tex Thompson, right? Yeah. I, I don't know who that character is, but I'm assuming someone that's crafty, and you know, well, he's, he's like Dick a, Tracy of the West. Well, yeah. there you go. So he, like, he shoots all the guns out of their hands. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. He doesn't kill anybody. He shoots the guns out of their uh, hands because they're they're bad right. guys. So in my head, it's like every time something went a little bit insane or crazy, I'm like, okay, he's. He's That's doing something. This. The yeah. sun is embellishing. So, have you is it, have you guys ever watched the show uh, Everybody Hates Chris? Yes. Okay. Yes. Really? So, have you ever you ever this uh, is a direct to, parallel to that TV show? <laughs> do you ever? No, it's not a direct parallel. But have you ever listened to Chris Rock's stand up? Because yes. Everybody yes. Hates Chris is uh, yeah. based off Chris Rock's vibe. In his stand up, he always talks about his father being a, a, a strong man, a big man. You know, the, the rock of the family. Now, go to the TV show. They hired Terry Crews to be now. The most did, rocky of men. Well, did, well <laughs> the, and the dude is pretty yeah. buff. He's yeah. super strong. But like, do you think Chris Rock's father actually looked like that? No, nope. probably not. But to the young Chris Rock's mind, 
he was an unstoppable huge dude. So yeah. that makes oh, yeah. sense. With a bad case of the gout. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I, I, I get that now, which is how you, how you guys are describing it. Is like, this, is a, this is a man telling a story about his father from the days when he saw his father as un, unflawed and uh, amazing and superhero-esque. You know, yeah. he probably could have had a cape throughout most yeah. of the, the well, story. And, and that's something to piggyback. Like, the fact is Mike dies before the son is older. You know, because remember when your dad was cool, and then you found his box of porn, and you're like, "Oh, never mind." Then <laughs> you know, like, what your dad's into, and yeah. it kind of just taints everything. And it's like he went from being Superman esque to he's humanized, and now he's massively flawed. Like, there's speaking of stand up, I forget who it was, but there's a stand up comedians like all dads go to hell. You know, it's like they're this cool guy, and then you find out the dirty shit they do, how scuzzy, lazy they are. You know, it's like, oh, we're gonna learn how to mow the lawn today, so that way you can do it, and I can sit inside and have a beer, and you're like. God, thinking about it, like this taints the image of your dad. So maybe for for the son, it's kind of nice that it's like, well, you know, Mike died early enough that his, it was his son was at an age where it's like yeah, he, I can still remain cool, as opposed to like, yeah, my dad was a real bad dick and he worked for the mafia. <laughs> yeah, he he just has the idolized parts left. Yeah, the other stuff is secondary. You, you either die a cool dad or live long enough to see yourself become the awful dad. Yeah, <laughs> I was literally just about to quote the line too. <laughs> But you guys got me thinking. Uh, you, you know about those how it should have ended cartoon parodies, yes. like the one you, like a couple minutes ago when you guys were talking about. I was like, we could totally have one where it's like how it should have hap- how it should have ended on the road to perdition. It's like you know, John comes home he's, or Connor comes in. He's like, Dad, uh, Mike's child saw this happen. It's like, oh, okay, no problem. Picks up the phone. Hey, Mike, can you and your boy come over real quick? And the four of them sit down and talk. All right, so we're all okay with this. Yeah, yeah. And then like, like yeah, the yeah, end. He, he won't talk. Yeah. <laughs> so the road to perdition is like a twenty-five page book now. <laughs> Other good one would be like how it should have ended. Uh, we drove straight through the night. We found the farm. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Luckily, those extra explosives I used on the ferry boat, I just sent them over as a package. <laughs> we drove through the night, and everyone got home safe. <laughs> so, with the uh, what you guys mentioned earlier, the fact that there's heavy uh, Catholic undertones and themes to the story. Uh, the big reveal at the very end of the story is that Mike Jr. has grown up to be a uh, priest himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he's either writing this story down throughout throughout what we're reading to just write it down for himself to work through it however he needs to, or maybe he's coming up with a memoir or he's coming up with something. Because you see a, a book on his desk where he's writing that says, um, I think it's Memories of the Archangel of Death or something like that, or yeah. memoirs of it. or It's basically a tell-all story yeah, about there's, there's his like, father. There's like, there's like two books, I think, is what it was. That okay, like right one was like the Holy different. Bible and then his, the book he was writing, right, if I remember correctly? But either way... Direct comparisons. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think it's... I mean, we literally... There, at the point in the story when uh, Mike Sr. is robbing the banks of the Looney's money, the Looney and Capone money... He tells his son, look, I'm going to put these in safety deposit boxes around the country or wherever. And, you know, this is going to be your money. So then when you grow up, you can do whatever you want. You want to go to college, this is money to go to college. You want to travel the world, this is money to travel the world. And uh, obviously, um, as we come to see at the end of the story, he's become a priest. Is that more because he wanted to be the exact opposite of his father? Or is it more that he felt the guilt from having to kill the one man that he knew was going to kill his father. Because in the story, he ends up shooting the man in the back. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I, d- I don't know. Because I, I think that there's so many different possible things to take from that. Like, was he trying to... Atone? To do those things, yeah. Or was he trying to, like, live the life that his father might have wanted for himself, you know? Um, would just, like, dedicate it to his spirituality if things hadn't gone different in his life. Um, I don't know which one is, like, my actual interpretation of it. Um, I think it's a mesh of all of these things is probably the most likely one that I would take from it. Uh, I don't know... I don't know it what his view of killing would be after having been exposed to it so very much at this point, you know, um, and also and being a priest and probably hearing terrible, terrible things in confession, you know, um, like obviously like the Bible kind of lays out one way to view killing and everything, but I think people exist in gray areas plenty, you know. Oh yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I don't know what his what his thing would have actually been that he took from it that made him get there. I think that that's just a part of him, uh, and that's what he decided to do. I looked at it. I like I like what you said, and I look at it like that too. But I think at the end of the day, the way I look at it is focused on the idea that we have this again boy who loved his father, and yeah, he saw all the best parts of him, and maybe he embellished the story as he's kind of going through it, right? As most sons would. And I think as he got older, I think his father, one thing that I think really stood out to him was he understood the power of family and the power of loyalty, right? Loyalty and making sure if your dad says something, okay, you leave it alone. But his dad was never a person that was very open about anything. It was very, he shut things down very quickly. Like, oh, like when he was talking to his wife, right? It's like, oh, was he in the car the whole time? Like, we'll never speak of this again. And so they never speak about it again. (laughs) But the one person that he saw his father be not intimate with, but able to be 100% honest was with the priest in confessional. And I think maybe in that sense, I think one, yeah, maybe it was a sense of atonement because he did kill somebody. But I looked at it more of as his father killed so many people. And so what would be the best way for him to pay homage to his father than by helping as many people as he could? By being in that faith, but also by being able to do it in a way where he was basically an emissary of somebody who his father was undoubtedly always honest with and always truthful with. And I think that might play into it. That's the way that I looked at it. Yeah. You just hit me like right in the heart (laughs) with that. No, I'll I'll take that one real hard. I I, I like that. Um, Ultimately, what I saw was just, you know, with with Junior, Michael Junior growing up, because he grew up fast. I mean, he grew up overnight. You know, like the the, the, the idea of it's, you know, he was at a birthday party having fun and he comes home and his mother and, and brother have been brutally killed. And even with his own inaction, in a sense, like he did feel some guilt. You know, where it's like I didn't stop him. I just watched it and I hid. Um, I, I think it was one of those things where it's like he obviously got to have his own bit of revenge in this. And, you know, there's moments where he did smile and, and got to be young and, and think he was Tex Thompson. But then ultimately with him killing somebody as well, it, it became real again. And so... I, I think he the one thing he always had was his faith to hold on to, uh, being there to witness his father receive the last rites, being there with his father, you know, making like he didn't get to see the ultimate revenge, you know, because I think if I remember, I think he asked, you know, like, did he suffer? And he's like, you know, OK, um, but I think it, it is definitely like part of it is uh, he's a priest because. Maybe he is hoping to save his dad. You know, it's like, well, if I can, the sins of the father and that whole thing where it's like, if I can try to do these good things, 
maybe that'll give him something that'll ease his penance and items like that because a lot of us kind of do fall into those roles like i you know my job my day job like i'm in that because i was lost you know and those are some of the people that saved me so it's like okay this is why i'm gonna do what i do um so i kind of see that in yeah obviously i I, I joke i call it main character syndrome like when you read something you're that character you watch something i think you can help yourself but it makes it more immersive i think that's great yeah Yeah, so i mean obviously i got totally sucked into this and to me it's one of those things where it's like yeah ultimately like he had the greatest of loves for his father um and like you 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 mentioned a moment ago he didn't know his dad even though he spent that time he was the wheel man for his dad he still didn't really know him because his dad was very much like you know, I like that you echoed that. It was right. It's like, we will not speak of this again. And that's just the way it was. And so, obviously, he had two major factors in his life, his faith and his father. So with him losing his father, it's like, okay, well, my faith is next. Uh, he winds up growing up in a, a boy's home. So, obviously, there would have been a lot of religion in that as well. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's like, okay, this is this is how he was raised. So I, I kind of feel that, you know, he's he's in this to help those other people that will cross the same path, that road as well. You know, so he's there to be like, all right, there is, there is a, a <laughs> there is a light at the end of this, you know, and he'll be that beacon for them. Okay, so I have to say this with the, uh, I think it's funny because how we're talking about like um, he says we're not going to speak of this again, and he writes a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> he still didn't speak about it. <laughs> it's, it's written word. We it's will like, not speak about this or write it down or type it out. <laughs> I mean, this, or tweet it. <laughs> you, you look at this story, and this is, and I, I, I've said this with a lot of stories that come out now, and stories that we that that are told and we enjoy. But uh, a theme of of father issues comes out a lot in, in a lot of modern day stories. Yeah, that stripper scene. And in when you you come you come to the idea that. Uh, this is a story that's taking place in the 30s, I right. believe, right? Yeah. The 30s yeah. and 40s. Because um, those that those are the days when you had fathers that were just there. They you know they they weren't they weren't they didn't include you. They didn't make you you know. It was like I'm here. I, I provide for the family. I'm your father, but you don't need other other stuff from me from like that. Yeah. You know. And then we get stories like superman and batman out of out of those eras that's when they were created so thus you have men that had to grow up without fathers because they were killed so it's kind of a circle (laughs) in the fact that we keep creating stories of lost father figures or you know people with father issues when they were created because the fathers were just absentee instead. So I don't know. It just to me, it just seems weird that they keeps coming back around to that, and we keep repeating the same stories. Not that it's bad. I love. I, I enjoy the the story and the way it's interpreted every other time. But uh, I just find it interesting. I mean, it's a pretty common Disney trope as well. It's a common everything. <laughs> I mean, Star Wars is a story about father issues over yeah, and over. But he apologized at the end. It's different. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Keeping up with the Skywalkers. <laughs> I'd watch that show. Maybe that's what makes it so prolific is the idea that. of it is a circle and how this archetype keeps coming back and it keeps producing these great stories, these shitty stories, whatever you want to call them, because it, it changes, right? It's a new interpretation right. to an old mode. Right. right. And so I think that makes it um, both um, archetypical, but I think it also makes it profound. Because it's like, okay, so we've learned, we heard the story so much that it must be some kind of maybe universal truth in somewhere. At least for us, right? We're able to connect with it on a much more 
mental level. It kind of becomes one of those universal truths like pineapple on pizza is gross. Right? <laughs> it, 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 it builds to that. Only when it's hot. I'll, I'll, eat, for I'll, lunch, I'll, I'll eat it. I'll, I'll eat it as leftovers in the morning. <laughs> I was gonna say, is this is is this a stance that we're taking now? No, no of course. Pine- not. Pineapple on pizza. No, it is a stance. It's nasty. It's nasty. Pineapple on pizza is terrible. Yeah, yeah no, it's, I, it's I, I just wanted to know because I I've always hated it. Okay, I've, just, good. Yeah, I've right. kept my mouth shut because I didn't want to alienate. <laughs> like my I friends. said, it's a universal truth. <laughs> also, like, can we just call it ham? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's Canadian ham. bacon. I hate it. I hate no, it. I don't understand. It's because we're fancy. Okay, is, is maple Canadian like is maple syrup Canadian water? Like, I don't, yes, right? we're, actually, we're just, we're just different things, different stuff? I mean, if you want to get technical, then yes. <laughs> but I think that's what There's makes it so people. great. Is we this is a story that we might have seen before. It could have been told better. It could have been told worse. And it continues to be told through John Wick and all these other things. Right. But it's all based on a not a universal truth. I was being facetious with that. Right. But it's all about this idea of it's a story that we're able to go back to and it's retold in new and more exciting ways. And that's why I keep coming back to it. Because kind of from uh, what me and Chris were talking about before with the whole idea of how Jordan and Scott Summers, how yes. they talk about these. I mean, again, shout out to these two characters because they're awesome. Yes. Scott Summers. But it, it, I was going to say, it it's not going to be a, a podcast if right? we don't at least bring up one of those two characters. Exactly. <laughs> it, it showcases something that is so visceral and you feel it in your heart. And it, it has so many different motives and all of it, the themes, it's thematic. And that's what I think makes it nice. Well, I also say that it's, it's it being a universal truth is that you can get people to immerse themselves in the story, right. as you guys said, by uh, using father issues. Because everybody, I, I feel like a lot of people in one way or another have issues there with their parents oh, yeah. in general. It doesn't have to be just their father, but there is something. You know, there's, oh, I mean, I'm not trying to say anybody hates their parents or anything like that, but there's always going to be hate something. My parents. Can we save this episode for Father's Day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Loving. Well, just like you, the psychologist man. Sigmund Freud says, we all exist. <laughs> <laughs> one wrong. thing I did, I did, and this is wrapping up now since uh, we are hitting the hour. Uh, young Mike Jr. in the movie mm-hmm. version is played by Tyler Hochin who would go on to play um, Superman, Superman in Supergirl show, the, the Supergirl TV show. Wow. I did not know that. I did, wow. That my mind is, is blown. Okay, I guess that means that I actually need to go watch Supergirl now. I mean, he's only in like three, four episodes. Oh, only so watch, like, jor L was a gangster? <laughs> <laughs> That's well, not yeah. how Krypton exploded. <laughs> Krypton exploded in the drug trade. Yeah. Yeah. Krypton was the boat. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, um, no, I don't know. Like uh, A final wrap-up for each person? Like, you guys is like... Um, do you guys like it? Would you recommend someone else to read it? I mean, I know that you would. Well, the thing is, I guess, so, but taking that and like, I will always recommend this book. I will always, I mean, it's always hit or miss, but I mean, for me, it's the, the thing is, like I said, it's, it's main character syndrome was fulfilled, you know, Irish Catholic, that exciting, sexy lifestyle of it, you know, uh, these tropes exist for a reason, you know, this is a redemption tale and it's a father son tale. And those are always like, those are in my gear house. I love those stories. Um, I love Max Allen Collins. He's great. I, I, go read his Batman. Uh, we all need to sign a petition to get him to write a Punisher. Um, <laughs> if and I, it sounds like it was not, you know, your your, your guys's thing, but you know, for the listeners, if it was, there's uh, other books. You know, they they did a a three part on the road to perdition, which is great, and maybe that's why I have some different thoughts in my head because on the road to perdition 
it's like here's three extra chapters to put in the book. So maybe that gave me a different clarification. Um, okay. And then I also have the the, the 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 next sequel, Return to Perdition. And now this is the grandson of Michael Sullivan. And I haven't read that one yet. That one I actually forgot I owned it. Yeah, I was okay. like, oh wow, I didn't have the extra one. But it's it's nice, you know. It's it's essentially a trilogy, you know. Um, and it's it's great stuff. I mean, I just I fell in love with it. Um, for me, the words were so strong enough that I, I did get past the art issues. But I can understand that you know, black and white, you have to spend more time because like you, you have to see what's going on. And I do agree. Like the faces, it's tough at some moments, you know, because I think Steve, you you summed that up perfectly. It's like if I just flip through this book. Am I looking at the same guy? Because I can't really see a difference, mm-hmm. you know. But to me, it's one of those things where it's like this is this is not a book you sit down and read in one sitting. It's going to be over multiple parts. I like the chapter breaks, you know. Like the first when I when I was sitting down to reread it, I remember I made it all the way up to page seventy five, and I wanted to stop, but I was like, I got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> Dang it, you know. But it's I, I love that it, it had me glued. Um, and even one thing I just want to throw real quick on the, the front cover, you know, they, they throw quotes out there and it's like powerful and unique, a wonderful read. And that's from Donald Westlake. And I, I think that's cool because Donald Westlake is the guy who gave us, um, oh man, the, um, the planet of perdition <laughs> on the, no, but, uh, it, it's, uh, he's also another great crime novelist. Um, Darwin Cook was redrawing the books. Um, Parker? Yeah, Parker. There we go. Thank you. Parker. He gave us the Parker character. And it's, you know, I just, I love those guys. Like, they're just men of action. You know, like, somebody does us wrong. They made Ben 10? You know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I have ten reasons to not. But but I, I just think it's neat that you know like ultimately like we all see that moment of injustice and we try our best to rise up. But these are guys that stood up unquestionably, and we hope that we will do that as well. So I, that's what I love about this. It also says uh, it also says here and there in the Wikipedia entry there's Road to Purgatory and Road to Pur- Paradise, which is Michael Sullivan Jr. as he went to World War II under the adoptive identity of Michael Sarah. Satariano? Satariano. Okay. And then after Satriano. Satriano. <laughs> and then after that, there's Re- Return to Perdition, which is Michael Satriano Jr. <laughs> as he comes back from Vietnam. And he has to deal with the fact that his father and grandfather were both part of the criminal underworld. So. Snip. I guess oh, in the. Okay. So yeah. They, he, not, he didn't go straight to being. Uh, yeah. Uh, a priest or so so, at he, some point. He yeah. fought through two wars and then was like, okay. And then a war of the heart. And then, and then a war of the heart. <laughs> well, he, now, never, he never left war then. Yeah, that, that now he's in continuous no, no, no. war for war souls. War never left him. You, you can take the boy from the war, but you can't take the war from the boy. Uh-uh. But I cut you off, so you were, I mean, you, you got No, actually, here. I'm glad you just mentioned those. I did not know about those those two, the, the Road to Purgatory. All, all this weekend. Yeah, seriously, the now same, there's more to read on that because... Same writer? Like, same writer. Uh, well, I think I, actually, so. I don't know. It's 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 all under the same thing, so I would assume yes. Yeah, and I okay. never I never knew those. Um, so that, I'm excited because, yeah, it just uh, to me he's a great character. It's I, I fall into that, and I think it's great. Um, of course, I like Mike O'Sullivan the best, but now this is kind of neat to see even more of what happened with Junior. You know? so, <laughs> of course, I like Michael Sullivan. It's cool to see what happened with Michael Sullivan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's that's why they changed his name. Yeah. Well, Satara uh, well, Satriano. You know that that's kind of interesting, and it's even funny to like to me that that comes off as very heavy Italian. Yeah, very much you know? so. So it's it, like okay. So hmm. I was I was looking at it in the Wikipedia entry. He, apparently, he kept the Junior. 
No, no, no. <laughs> no? That's that's his son. That's, that's oh, that Junior would be Michael's son. Oh, okay. The Archangel's grandson. Okay, right. so that was I, <laughs> I was reading it so as, much heavier. <laughs> the Archangel's grandson. <laughs> I was reading it as What a cool as, title though. <laughs> I was reading it as like Mike Junior changed his name to Satriano and then and kept, he kept the, the junior. junior. Yeah. <laughs> Still junior. <laughs> so. No, no. My, Michael O'Sullivan was my father. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so yes, it is. It is all by Max Allen Collins. He wrote the other, the other, the newer yeah. additions to the story. So he made his own Dick Tracy. Basically, you yeah. know, it's he threw his own universe out there. So yeah, these were prose novels. So no wonder I, I missed out because they're 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 not the graphic novels. So I, I missed. Gotcha. I'm have to I'm gonna have to learn my words real quick that so I can get you, through this. <laughs> you you drive far for work, don't you? Uh, no, you drive no, I drive yeah, yeah, never mind. I was going to say, you guys audio books, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is brought to you by Audible. <laughs> <laughs> Rafa, did you want to give some final thoughts? Um, I just, I agree. I really enjoyed it. I When I first started reading it, I wasn't a big fan. Um, but as it continued, just everything about it is very symbolic and thematic to me, and that's what I enjoyed about it. And as is, even without reading anything else, I like the ambiguity to a lot of it. Because I can put in my own thoughts as far as what I what I took out of it. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend reading it. Ian, <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> I would love to be I would love to be able to to recommend it to people. Like I said, I did I liked the story. Um, I might have it might be one of those things that I come back to in a year. Nickel and dime it. Yeah, and just like plink away at it, and hopefully the art grows on me. Um, if I could find just a novel, not a graphic novel, I'd read it cover to cover at least a couple times. It just what I what I read caught me. Um, so if if you're not a stickler for art, you'll have a great time. That's fair. Yeah, that's <laughs> totally no. It's <laughs> you just got to just got to come back to it. That's what I did. I didn't like Blade Runner the first time I watched it. That's because you're I, wrong. I, Neither do I. Dude, I love Blade Runner, but God. Damn it! I can't watch that movie. It was a terrible movie. I watched it, didn't Why like it. So watched it again two years movie. later. It was amazing. Maybe you're just not. Maybe you just, just haven't found the right cut of it yet because they have so many different cuts. <laughs> I tried like all of the director's cut, the things. director producer exclusive. The cut. final cut is by far though. the best version. Uh, I, just, the, I can't. The, the replicant cut is really good. It's the whole movie but put side by side and one slightly just, faster. <laughs> I don't know if you're being serious or not. <laughs> I honestly don't because I could see that happening. Really, Scott, man. <laughs> so, uh, for me, if you enjoy reading, yes, read read this book, read this graphic novel. Um, if you just want to see the story, I really feel like you can go watch the movie, the Tom Hanks movie, and you would you get all all the exact things. A lot of it's not changed for uh, the movie. There's not a lot me- left. Yeah, they out. did a good one to one adaptation. Uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, especially with all the stars that's in that movie, that that movie did not do as well as it should have. Did it not? It did not. I could not stop hearing about that movie for like forever. Yeah, well, like, I was not no aware. Citizen Kane, and I think <laughs> what it is is that it. That and I have no idea if this is true or not, but. As my limited of movie box office knowledge would go, uh, you have Tom Hanks in a not favorable role. Like he's yeah. not usually he's 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 a he's, peppy dude. He's he's usually that yeah. he's usually the this was his the first very, breaking from that mold, right? Yeah, and this is he, he's not the bad guy, but he is a bad guy. Mm-hmm. He's killing people and stuff like that. Uh, fast forwarded to 2016 when you have uh, the circle come out where he's the bad guy once again. 
And I, I didn't like him as Mark Zuckerberg. No, that movie was terrible. Yeah. That movie was complete garbage. <laughs> but bad. once again, a movie where he's the bad guy and it doesn't <laughs> do, do well. well. It doesn't fair. do well. So yeah. I think people like to see Tom Hanks as the lovable, you know, down on his luck or either, you know, affable guy. That's right. He's yeah. the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. <laughs> so especially now that he's getting older, he just looks like someone's sad grandpa. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> well, just, you know, someone did ask him if he would ever do a comic book movie other than Road to Perdition, obviously. Right. And he said, I would love to do one, but I would love to play the bad guy in, in something. <laughs> he doesn't want to Lex Luthor. I I'm in. I picture no, no, you know I, I, I picture him as Mr. Freeze. I think he would do a, mis- a great Mr. Freeze. Also a good one. Just, he could you, put some tragedy into that character. Right? Can we just get Tom Hanks to play a sexy catwoman? <laughs> Tom yes. Hanks is Mongol right now. No. He's already no. done some cross dressing for no, no, bosom no, no. buddies. So. No, 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 no. Tom Hanks has Clayface. <laughs> So I mean, he just says the voice. actor background. Yeah, yeah that, that works. The, he, he plays the Hagen part, and, he, he's, and it works he's handsome. because he's 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 an aging actor. So somebody comes and says, "Hey, we got this cream." It'll yes. Yeah, there's some that's got some breadcrumbs to follow. Yes, uh, Nolan, if you want to do more Batman, get at me. <laughs> well, it's Matt Reeves right now. You can talk no, to him. No, Nolan, get at me. Uh, okay. <laughs> We're bringing the a, gang back together. <laughs> I, I, I want to get a semi-realistic Clayface to happen. You know, so thinking about it, putting him in the Marvel U, I want him as J. Jonah Jameson. But I see, think that's what he, bring me that's pictures what he felt. He yeah. felt like if, and I if agree he with it, that. He'll always end up doing something like that. Well, but the thing is, like to me, that's a good villain. You know, because it's this is the guy like, and it's interesting because like I've always thrown this out there like, and I remember one of one of the sites did an article of like the the best Spider Man villains, and the number one is Spider. Or, sorry, the number one villain for Spider Man is J. Jonah Jameson, and I'm like, and that, that's obviously what turned my mind on that because I was like, he is. I mean, no matter what Spider Man does, the press comes out as you know, uh, uh, young boy steals citizens, uh, World War II soldier shield. You know, he's a menace, and it's like, and that's the, the stuff menace. that really hurts. <laughs> Peter, you know, it doesn't matter what he did when he goes home and he sees that copy of the bugle or he catches the news and it's like, man, I'm a letdown. And that's ultimately what feeds the self-doubt, which really stops Spider-Man from reaching his true potential. So I don't know. Like, I mean, that's a deep layer, I think. But I would totally be happy with, you know, hearing Tom Hanks scream out, you know, Parker. <laughs> then if, if we're going to put him in Spider-Man, um, then let's just make him Mysterio and never show his face. Don't, don't let him touch <laughs> Mysterio. Mysterio's my favorite. Don't touch Mysterio. I, I like how don't Tom Hanks this, is going to play this. an actor who's a bad guy no matter what universe. Clayface or Mysterio. He's he's somebody from the movie industry who's going to be a bad guy. I like yes. that. <laughs> Like play, feed into what you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and what a great team up that would be! Like if we, because we always talk like amalgams or DC versus Marvel. How cool would that be? Mysterio and Clayface get to totally like team up and just like, all right, let's screw these people over bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> would you call it Clay Mysterio? <laughs> no, <laughs> Clay Mysterio that Junior. Took a, that was, yeah, that, was, that took a second for me. <laughs> it took a second though. <laughs> we did it, Reddit. <laughs> what are your final thoughts, Stephen? Um, I don't like. Uh, uh, it didn't hit the mark for me, um, which isn't to say that it's bad. It's that I'm a picky bitch, which is always the case. Um, you are fabulous, I, though. I, <laughs> um, I, 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 I got I got through the things, but that was because I knew that we were going to talk about this. You know, if it was me just picking something up at like Barnes and Noble or something, and be like, oh, should I buy this? Like, no, I would have put it back down. Um, which isn't to say that it's bad. Again, just not for me. Right? There's different books in the world for different people. Um, I don't think I would recommend it, but I will say positive things about it if I have to have a conversation with people about it. You know? Okay. Well, that, that was our thoughts on Road to Perdition. If you've read it, we'd love to hear it. 
Uh, if you, we have many ways to get a hold of us on social media, uh, on Twitter, I am at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Ian? Um, you can get at me on Twitter at, at Ian Flux Sucks. That's I A N F L U X S U X. Damn millennials. Um, with Rafa, I'm at Mobile Rafi. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's Chris, and I'm on Twitter as stuff I should say, should being spelled S H U D. Learn to spell. <laughs> but it's the irony of it. Um, uh, and then me on Twitter uh, across all social networks. I'm either Peppermint Gentleman or Peppermint Jet. For those that don't let you have a longer name, hmm. find me. Uh, the rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter. I imagine the rest of oh this new machine is just at this new machine at new yeah. at, at this new machine. And just uh, said that one. Damn, it's been too long. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's at Geek Elite Radio on on Instagram, Facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio for our Facebook page. Be a part of the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, hopefully, we'll meet back in another month. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a little bit longer. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, should, we, do we, should we tell our audience what we're going to pick? I don't Who's know. I don't, next? I yeah. say, I Not don't to know. throw anybody on the bus on the spot, but I mean, I didn't know they we could join do. us. I, I didn't think that we were going to we were going to pick something, but if on the spot right now, on the spot right now, um, Long Halloween, Batman. There it is. All right. Batman exactly. along the way. So yet a third DC book. <laughs> Sorry. I, give, give me like three seconds to think about this. I'll pick something different. No, no. no it's no, okay. No, we already did. Long fine. Halloween. I've okay. never actually read Long Halloween, so okay. that, that'll it's, be good. It's uh, honestly awesome, one of my good. favorites. It's, it's great. We'll see how you like the art, Ian. Hey, <laughs> shut up. I love the art in that one. It's different. <laughs> Uh, so if you have the opportunity, you should definitely get, get, a, get a hold of uh, a copy and, and read it along with us. And then we will... Maybe throw throw out some uh, social media questions, and if anybody has those before uh, we start re- we start talking about, we'll we'll answer them on the, on the podcast. Cool. Uh, but until next time, What's your favorite holiday? <laughs> <laughs> this calendar man? <laughs> Maybe read uh, the book. I, I will. I, I have to now. <laughs> no spoilers. Yep. <laughs> or all of them. <laughs> uh, this is Geekly Radio, and this new machine. That's us. <laughs> Saying, always remember to geek geek out. out. I forgot it. (laughs) (laughs) We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.